The stars are right, and that means it's time for another episode of The Whisper in Darkness. I'm your host, the man from Lang. Thank you very much for joining me today. On this episode, I am joined by a special guest, Stephen, a member of the Great Old Ones Gaming Discord. We're going to talk about Charlie Kane, the neutral investigator who will be released in the Scarlet Keys Investigator expansion. Stephen and I have been testing Charlie in multiplayer and solo, and we're going to share our thoughts on this new investigator today. There are spoilers throughout if you care about that sort of thing. If you enjoy what you hear, remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Before we get started, I'd like to thank the patrons of this channel for their tremendous support. The Arkham Horror LCG community is amazing, and these people have gone above and beyond to bring you content like these player card reviews. If you'd like to support the channel's goals and see your name on this list, head over to patreon.com, sign up for a tier of your choice, and claim your rewards. That would be awesome. Special thanks to Cole Monroe Chitty for the amazing art that graces the channel, Nicole Fiscus for the new Whisper in Darkness logo that I use for the podcast, and Nate Lost in Time and Space for the intro as well as the overlays. Thank you very much. I couldn't do it without you. Without further ado, let's get started. Hello, Arkham Horror fans. I have a uh, special treat for you today on the channel. I am joined by a special guest. Steven from over on the Great Old Ones Gaming uh, Discord channel. We are going to talk about Charlie Kane, the new neutral investigator who will be released in the Scarlet Keys Investigator expansion, hopefully at some point uh, later this year. Uh, we have already seen a couple of cards spoiled for that set, and so it uh, seems like a good time to talk about Charlie just to give you a little bit of background about Charlie, he was uh, spoiled over on the Mythos Busters uh, podcast uh, probably about a month ago at this point. And uh, after he was spoiled, Stephen uh, got busy building a whole bunch of decks and uh, was posting his results over on the Great Old Ones Gaming channel. I uh, took an interest in Charlie and uh, began to build uh, some decks from a solo perspective and uh, thought rather than just have me come on and talk about my experience, I invited Steven to join me so he could share his experience playing Charlie from a uh, multiplayer perspective. And uh, we're just going to talk a little bit about uh, our experiences playing Charlie, discuss the, uh, the card that was spoiled, his signature assets. We're also going to take a, a look at a couple of decks we built and uh, talk a little bit about what we hope to see in the Scarlet Keys for uh, Charlie. Now, of course, I have to uh, issue a big disclaimer here. Charlie Kane will be released in the Scarlet Keys Investigator expansion, and there is uh, no doubt that that uh, expansion will be loaded with cards that are great uh, in Charlie. So we are taking a look at Charlie based on the card pool as it is now, so take what we have to say with a grain of salt. We're not going to review Charlie or give him a rating or anything like that. We're going to talk about a bunch of different allies that we've played in Charlie, but just keep in mind there will probably be even better allies coming down the road that uh, will work great in his deck as well as events and skills and whatnot. So we're just taking a look at him from the card pool as it stands now and uh, Hopefully we'll have some insight into what we hope to see uh, in the Scarlet Keys once it's released. So Stephen, if you can uh, start off by just giving me uh, the uh, quick and dirty version. What do you uh, think of Charlie after all of your testing? Okay, so first look, um, he gets three additional ally slots. And 
allies are broken, so automatically that means Charlie's broken, right? <laughs> That's how this works. No, he's very fun, flexible, and um, I don't know, I really enjoy him overall, but after some testing, I really, I really feel like I'd be a little worried that he'll turn into Lola, in the sense that most of the community seems to use her as a meme for like fun chaos builds, that kind of thing, so I don't know if he'll stand a test of time in terms of relevancy, like, you know, when you... If you want a fighter, you won't think Charlie Kane, you'll think uh, Mark Harrigan. So whenever you need an investigator to fill a role, you'll probably be looking elsewhere. But I think he offers a lot of fun and a lot of utility. I'm excited for uh, what Scarlet Keith has to offer. Yeah, I'm uh, pleased to report that uh, after my uh, testing that I did with Charlie, I think he is viable as a solo investigator despite his uh, 1111 stat line. I think he's the type of investigator who can uh, snowball pretty easily if you can, uh, once you get a few allies down on the table, he can uh, really start to roll. And uh, the tricky part I found is actually getting him to that part of the game it's it's navigating that early part of the game when charlie is it is at his most vulnerable that is probably the the trickiest part at least in solo where he doesn't have anybody to support him and he has to rely on his uh rather weak stats to uh to get going but uh, i have really enjoyed playing charlie there are lots of fun tricks that you can do with him with uh, a few cards that we're going to look at in this uh in this review and he's he's the type of investigator who can make you feel really smart by bouncing allies in and out of play pulling them out of the discard pile doing so order all sorts of tricks that you normally wouldn't be able to do and and that makes you feel really smart as a player and i think that's why a lot of us play this sort of game to to feel smart and clever like you said if you're looking for a fighter i don't think you're necessarily going to think charlie kane if you're thinking of playing a Kluver, you're probably not thinking of Charlie Kane. So it'll be interesting to see down the road what role he really fills or whether he'll just be sort of the, the generalist that, you know, you get together with your group. You're like, we need a fighter. Okay, I'll build a, a fighter Charlie deck or a Kluver Charlie deck or... You know, it's kind of funny because thinking about it now, I was trying to think, well, what would I think of Charlie Kane as? And would it be the ally guy? And honestly, I still think of uh, Tommy Muldoon or, <laughs> or um, oh, what's his name? Um, Guardian Rogue Investigator. They're like more the ally guy. Oh, Leo still Anderson. Feels like yeah. Leo Anderson, yeah still feel like the ally guys even after playing with charlie kane that's right so he, he even has competition for for the ally guys slot you've got leo anderson in guardian rogue and tommy muldoon in uh, guardian survivor so yeah it will be really interesting to see uh, where charlie fits in in the grand scheme of things uh, once the scarlet keys is released we're going to start off by taking a look at uh, the charlie kane investigator card Charlie Kane is the politician. He has one willpower, one intellect, one combat, and one agility. He has the civic and socialite traits. I don't think those are currently relevant. Maybe in Dream uh -huh. Eaters, but I'm not even sure there. You have three additional ally slots, 
As a uh, free triggered ability during a skill test you are performing, exhaust an ally asset you control. For this test, you get plus one skill value plus an additional plus one skill for each skill icon that ally asset has that matches this test's type. His uh, Elder Sign ability is plus three and ready an ally asset at your location. He has six health and six sanity. So what were your first impressions of Charlie when you uh, saw him, Stephen? Oh, it's real easy to see what he's all about with three ally slots and boosting his stats using allies. You're going to want to play a lot of allies, right? It's very fun. Like, I got really excited because my first investigator, when I picked up this game, was actually Preston. You know, I sat down and I bought, I came in on Circle Undone and I looked at Preston and I was like, yes, this is my guy. So I'm very excited. Now that I'm more of an experienced player, I his stat line has me a little worried. Um, if something happens during the missile phase, if he experiences some Yogg-Sothothry, so to speak, and he loses his allies, he'll be stuck at base ones, and I feel like it's really easy for him to fall off and die just because of his stats and his um, sanity and health are so low. And in higher difficulties, like, you have to really be able to a harder expert you have to be able to push yourself to be able to be at a plus eight or nine on some test and to jump that hurdle base ones seems pretty difficult yeah when i uh, first looked at him uh, i mean obviously he reminds he's going to remind a lot of players of uh, calvin from the, uh, the forgotten age with his stat line preston as well from the circle undone with his stat line all ones across the board I think Charlie's probably closer to Calvin than he is Preston, largely because they both sort of operate the same way. With Calvin, you need to take some mental or physical trauma in order to boost your stats. So when you're starting a campaign, you're 1-1-1s across the board until you start to take damage and horror. With Charlie, you're 1-1-1s until you get that first ally on the table and and that ally can help boost your stats. Preston, I think, is in a slightly different category, largely because he has money. <laughs> he has lots yeah. <laughs> and lots of money, and he can throw money at the problem, which really helps him. I found when I was testing Calvin and then I tested Preston, I found there to be quite a bit of difference between the two because Preston had that money advantage that Calvin simply didn't have. And Calvin could be quite vulnerable until uh, until you took some damage and horror. I, I remember vividly playing just the Untamed Wilds with Calvin and drawing uh, Overgrowth turn one in three games in a row and poor Calvin just crying because there was no possible way that he was going to pass that combat skill test. Uh, I would say it's funny because even in a late game, when you're at, you know, your maximum with uh, Calvin, if you instant fell a horror test, you, like, you still just immediately drop dead. I play a lot of Mystic, and Charlie did remind me of sort of playing a high willpower Mystic like Agnes, who is going to be relying on cards like Rite of Seeking and Shriveling to do most of the heavy lifting while she's trying to fight or investigate. Uh, if you've played Mystic in the past, you're probably familiar with that. Those first few opening turns where you are hoping to draw your assets that will uh, 
power your abilities going forward. And I think Charlie is very similar to that. You really need to get those uh, first couple allies down on the table early, and then he can start to, to generate some momentum. But if you get a bad draw in your opening hand and don't get the allies that you were hoping to see, you could have a, a tough couple turns before uh, he gets set up. Now just to, to clarify quickly how his ability works, for example, say if you have a beat cop on the table, doesn't matter which level, level zero, level two. So what you have to do, you would exhaust the beat cop and that would give you a plus one skill value. And then since the beat cop has a combat skill icon, that would give you another plus one, so you're at plus two. And then the beat cop naturally gives you a plus one combat bonus, so you'd be at plus three. So with Charlie's base skill value of one, you'd be up to a, a skill value of four by exhausting your beat cop. One ally can generate quite a lot of, of skill boosts, depending on, of course, the ally that you've got. Now there are, I think, about 40 level zero allies at this point, maybe 40 plus. The thing to keep in mind about them is most of them only have one skill icon. So if you do exhaust them, you're only gonna get plus uh, two most of the time. There are a couple of exceptions, notably uh, Greta Wagner in the Guardian class. She has, I believe, combat and intellect. And uh, Joey the Rat Vigil also has two skill icons. I can't think of what they are though. Maybe intellect agility? Something uh, like that's that. That's what they are. Intellect and agility. Yeah. So he has two two icons as well. So there aren't that many level zero allies that have more than one skill icon. So keep that in mind as you go forward. What do you think about his uh, six health and six sanity? Well, originally I was kind of scared, you know, actually Calvin is probably my most played survivor. So I know how fragile that can be, but I also know how tanky having a lot of allies can make you. The Guardians are notoriously known for being tanky, quote-unquote, and that's just because they like buying a bunch of charismas and playing three different allies. Well, Charlie can play four, and from my experience, I've never whored out or taken too much damage and got defeated because I had so many allies that were able to tank before me. Yeah, that's been my experience as well. We'll look at our, some of our decks a little bit later, and both of us were playing in the thick of it to give Charlie a bit of a boost at level zero for that three XP, which of course, when you play that card, you're taking two trauma, your choice. But even with that card, I don't think I ever died due to damage or horror. It got pretty close sometimes. There were some, some games where it was like, well, if I blow this test, I'm probably gonna die. But, uh, if Charlie can get on a roll and get a few allies out on the table, that is usually more than enough to make up for his uh, his low health and sanity. I certainly think if they had made it any higher, he probably would have been maybe a little bit too tanky. Yeah, but, no, he uh, would have been busted. Six and six seems a little bit low, but once you get a bunch of allies down on the table, uh, you're good to go. The one thing that's, I think, really important to point out about uh, Charlie Kane's front side is that uh, those three ally slots, you're giving up a lot for them. 
you're basically giving up all of your stats to have three additional ally slots. And you really cannot understate how important allies are to, uh, to Charlie Kane. And I know when I sat down to build my first uh, Charlie Kane deck, there were, you know, I had allies. You know, I, I thought a fair number of allies. And then, you know, a few other choice assets that I thought would be really good. And quickly discovered as I was playing that I rarely wanted to play other assets. If it wasn't an ally, I was really reluctant to spend the resources on it because Charlie's ability is not limited in any way. If you have four allies on the table, you can exhaust them all and boost Charlie's stats through the roof, or you can spread them out over uh, multiple tests per turn. But you can't do that unless you've got allies. And that's really what it comes down to. So it, when you're thinking about building your own Charlie Kane decks, make sure you focus on the allies. Cards that you might think are good in him, if they're assets that cost a little too much, you may find that they are uh, they just don't have a home in, in his particular deck. Any final thoughts about his uh, front side, Steven? Not at all. Other than his, uh, his uh, Elder Sign, plus three a little bit much in my experience but that's all <laughs> yeah plus three is among the higher elder sign abilities i think the only other one in the game is safina if i'm not mistaken i think she's got a plus three as well the ability to ready an ally asset is uh, very very powerful for charlie there are very very few cards in this game that let you ready ally assets i think inspiring presence in the guardian card pool lets you do it Elvenize uh, lets you ready a guardian uh, asset which could be allies yeah it's it's not an effect that has appeared on many cards obviously ashcan pete can do it naturally with his special ability but it's just not an ability that you see that often and readying an ally asset for charlie is uh, always welcome largely because if you ready an ally that's another skill test you have a, a crack at uh, because you can exhaust that ally and uh, get more bonuses. Let's take a look at uh, Charlie's backside. Deck size 30, no uh, surprise there. His class choices are, at deck creation, choose two classes, Guardian, Seeker, Rogue, Mystic, or Survivor. Deck building options are ally cards level 0 to 5, so he can play every ally in the game, regardless of class or level. Neutral cards level 0 to 5, and cards from your chosen classes level 0 to 2. So the most restrictive deck building options in terms of uh, leveled cards. You get every ally you want, but regardless of which class you play, you're limited to level 0 to 2. And of course you get his uh, signature cards, Bonnie Walsh and Burden of Leadership, which we will talk about in a, mom in a moment. Let's talk about uh, allies first of all. What uh, makes a good ally for uh, for Charlie, Stephen? I think we're probably going to see a whole bunch more uh, really good allies come out in, in the Scarlet Keys, but what are you looking for in an ally for Charlie? Oh, I want to see cheap allies that either boost a lot, or I want to see expensive allies that boost even more. <laughs> That's pretty much it. I want to focus on boosting my stats as much as possible. Charlie's an interesting investigator because, uh, I mean, the ally slot is the most competitive slot in the game. 
Allies are very powerful. Uh, there's probably a reason we only start with one, and uh, Charisma costs you 3 XP if you want another slot. So allies are very, very good. We've seen a whole host of them that give passive skill bonuses, which is very powerful. And then a lot of them have abilities that let you exhaust the ally for a benefit. Say the classic being beat cop from Guardian, where you can exhaust the beat cop, I guess beat cop level two, that is, exhaust the beat cop to deal a damage to an enemy. I think uh, when I was playing Charlie, I found that he actually kind of likes two different uh, classes of ally, I guess. At the beginning of a scenario, I think he really likes uh, quantity over quality. He likes a lot of really cheap allies to get his to get himself rolling, to get a little bit of momentum. You can certainly play a lot of the very powerful allies that cost a lot of uh, resources, but at the at the beginning of a scenario, a lot of those really pricey allies don't do enough for Charlie to uh, to hit the table that early. There are things you want to be playing once you're set up. But at the beginning of the game, Charlie's really looking for, I think the cheaper the better a lot of the time. I found the games where I was most successful were games where I could get a couple of cheap allies down on the table, get some clues, fight a few enemies, and then as the game progressed, that's when you bring the big boys online to, uh, to help you seal the deal. Generally around uh, two resources or less has been a focus point for me. Just ones that uh, give generic effects. Art student, for example, when it comes into play, um, you discover a clue that's really good and it sticks around to give um, to your intellect. Uh, laboratory assistant is becoming more and more my favorite ally. At this point, It's she's probably number three. Just comes in, draws two cars, stick around a soak. Um, it's probably, would say, the most important a uh, ally in Charlie Kane. I know when I started building my uh, my first Charlie Kane deck, did not uh, go very well. I looked at all the list of allies, and I'm like, oh, I get to play Leo DeLuca and Beat Cop and yeah. Peter Sylvester and this and that, and threw them all in the deck. And then I drew my opening hand and was like, oh. I can play one of these allies that will boost one stat and I actually need to boost several stats right now and the deck quickly uh, flamed out. Allies are very powerful but they also tend to be some of the most expensive assets in the game and the one thing to keep in mind about Charlie is like unlike Preston he doesn't have a steady stream of cash flowing in every turn so you've got five resources to start and you need to get as much bang for your buck from those resources off the bat so if you uh, don't want to throw the cost curve of your deck completely out of whack you really need to uh, play a fair number of cheap disposable allies and then have a few big guns that you're going to drop into play mid to late game to uh, to help you finish off a scenario. Let's talk a little bit about uh, class choices. You are, uh, when you pick Charlie, you get to take two classes from uh, the five 
What has uh, been your experience with picking those classes? I love that you can pick and choose. Being able to mix classes and match a playstyle that you want in the same investigator allows for a lot of fun, unique builds and crazy combos. At least that's what I originally thought. <laughs> when I saw him, I was like, yes, I'm going to play Aquina and Guard Dog and Beat Cop, and I'm going to use toe-to-toe -to, -toe to blast enemies to the moon. It's going to be wild. And I realized, wait a minute. Or it can do that too, and Daniela and Tommy, but they don't have all ones in their stats. They have a lot of really relevant abilities, and I was like, realize that um, as soon as you pick two of your classes, you're kind of just a watered-down version of any other investigator that has those two, those two classes. You get the ally slots and the allies access, but you lose out, like we mentioned, you lose out on the health, the stats, and the access to level three to five uh, cards outside of allies that support these builds. When uh, deck building, you really need to lean in more towards the allies, the strategy that you want to build. And um, the relevance of the classes, I feel like is less important. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. I only built really one Charlie Kane deck after several iterations that it went through, and I ended up going uh, Survivor Rogue. Uh, I chose Survivor because he has a one 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 stat line. There are a lot yeah. of Survivor cards that support that, like Take Heart. Uh, a Chance Encounter is in the Survivor card pool, which lets you pull allies out of the discard pile. Uh, you've got Look What I Found to help you discover clues if you fail. Rise to the Occasion is another card that works pretty well in, in Charlie. I was playing Rogue largely just for the resource generation and some of the other uh, utility cards uh, that it contains. I'm not entirely convinced there are solo builds, at least, in the other classes outside of, say, something coupled with, Sur with Survivor. Survivor feels very important to Charlie at the moment, and I don't. I know you've had some success with uh, yeah. builds outside of uh, out of outside of Survivor. Tell me a little bit about that. Um, I one hundred percent agree. Survivor is the way to go. Outside of Survivor, I don't know. Like, I'm the decks that I've had success, like my Guardian Rogue deck just because it was a fighter deck where I focused in on the allies and was able to boost my um, my stats using um, the fighting allies. Yeah, I think of, uh, of all the classes, I think there's probably viable Charlie builds in all of them. The only one I sort of think maybe not is Mystic, simply because so many of the Mystic assets rely on you having a high willpower, which Charlie doesn't have, so it's sort of a, a two-step process at that point. Not only are you trying to build up Charlie's willpower, but then you're trying to draw these assets that leverage that willpower. That doesn't seem like a particularly good plan. That said, there are an awful lot of very good mystic events, uh, yep. such as Deny Existence, you've got Drawn to the Flame, you've got Read the Signs, you've got Spectral Razor, uh, Ward of Protection. So, And there are some very good... Uh, mystic allies as well. You've had a lot of success with Summoned Hound, and uh, I think I've also heard of players using David Renfield 
to not only boost Charlie's uh, willpower, but also his uh, resource generation to help pay for more allies down the road. So while I don't necessarily think the, the mystic assets work very well with Charlie, I think you might be able to find a build there that uh, leverages some of the events. I agree. Um, like I mentioned, I built a lot of decks, and most of them, every time I pick a mystic, it's just for the utility of water protection. Like, I focused a lot on my original class, so I would say, hey, let's go ahead and throw in water protection just because I can. Yeah, and I noticed when I was building my uh, solo deck, I leaned very heavily into the survi survivor cards, and, you know, I did include a few of the the best rogue uh, resource generation cards like Faustian Bargain and Watch This, a few of the, the really powerful utility events like Elusive, I played around with Lone Wolf for a little bit, thinking that might get me some more resources. But for the most part, I, I leaned pretty heavily into Survivor simply because uh, that's really what uh, really helps these low stat investigators and i don't think it's really any coincidence that i think all three of them at this point calvin preston and charlie have access to the survivor card pool as one of their uh as either their primary class or one of their uh, secondary classes in the case of preston that brings us to charlie kane's signature uh, cards he has a signature uh, ally of course, and a uh, signature weakness that is uh, pretty painful. Let's start off with Bonnie Walsh, the loyal assistant, three-cost asset with two willpower skill or two wild skill icons, ally, civic, and assistant trait. Charlie Kane deck only. As a response, after you exhaust Bonnie Walsh, ready another ally asset you control. Limit once per round. She has two health and two sanity, and takes up an ally slot. Bonnie is a one of the best signature <laughs> assets in the game, I yeah. think. She is so I... critical to what Charlie Kane wants to do from her relatively low cost at three resources. The two wild skill icons are amazing. Any ally that has a wild skill icon is golden, Charlie, because it just makes them so much, so very flexible in him and the fact that she can ready another ally asset you control when you exhaust her there are lots of tricks you can do with that you can exhaust an ally to boost charlie's stats then exhaust bonnie to ready that ally and then either save that ally for a second test or if you need an even bigger bump exhaust that ally again because there's no limit on uh, on charlie's ability how has uh, bonnie performed for you she is insanely broken like to the point where i kind of hate it like i hate cards that are like way too good for this game um her having three wild icons kind of makes charlie a four in all stats i feel like at least from my experience when i played her and um because you know with the two wild icons and his ability it boosts boosted to a four that is really good in just one card and then on top of that being able to exhaust other or unexhaust sorry another ally um which allows you to use these allies for additional effects uh one i can think of is dr milan christopher being able to exhaust him to exhaust him again for an additional uh, resource like he was tabooed because that was too strong 
I feel like this kind of brings it back and opens it up to all the other, the other allies that do the exhaust effects. Bonnie is very, very good. I know in, in the, the games that I played with Charlie, the games where Bonnie hit the table, uh, usually went a lot more smoothly than the games where she didn't show up. Uh, like you said, having basically three wild skill icons that you can add to any stat makes her extremely versatile. I don't honestly think, you know, given that Bonnie is so powerful, I highly doubt that we will see another ally with two wild skill icons. It just seems like yeah. that would be between Bonnie and that theoretical ally that Charlie would just be too good at that point. Charlie's signature weakness is burden of leadership. It is the has the flaw trait revelation. If you control no ally assets, shuffle burden of leadership back into your deck. So there is a no getting away from this one. You are going to have to deal with it at some point during a uh, uh, scenario. For each ally asset you control, you either exhaust it or deal one direct damage and one direct horror. I came to really uh, loathe this card in my uh, playthroughs with Charlie. I don't think I ever, I mean, you are playing so many allies in Charlie that the first part of the game text where you have to reshuffle it back into your deck, I don't think that will happen all that often. And if I mean, it does, your game has already gone off the rails and you're probably right. losing. So. If you have no allies, you're doing Charlie wrong, 100%. Yeah. But when this thing hits, you have to exhaust every ally you have, or you are dealing one damage and one horror to it. That can devastate your board if you get mm -hmm. caught at the wrong time. If you're, I mean, you're really faced with a damned, damned if you do, damned if you don't choice, because if you exhaust all your allies, then you don't have skill boosts for an entire turn, depending when this hits. If you start dealing direct damage and direct horror to your allies, unless you have some pretty damn tanky allies on the table, that has a chance to, uh, to kill them outright, especially if you've been relying on those allies to soak damage and horror for you. And this comes along and finishes a bunch of them off before you were ready to. So this one is nasty. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, it's one you have to be ready for kind of at all times. You have to know if you're going to draw cards during your turn, then you need to uh, plan around and think, hey, I'm not going to exhaust my allies because I plan on drawing. They're going to have to hold all of it off until um, until the upkeep phase, where at least they'll be ready, where you can have that choice. Yeah, I think probably best case with Burden of Leadership is you draw it, you get an ally on the table, and then you draw it. The ally takes a couple of damage and a horror, and this goes away before you've sort of built out your board and you might be more vulnerable to losing a bunch of allies that you weren't quite ready to lose at that time. Because I think if this thing, I mean, this is one of those cards where if you get it at the wrong time, it could basically wipe your board. And then at that point, I think you're going to have, depending on when this happens, like mid to late game, it's going to be tough to rebuild in time to, uh, 
to finish it off. So definitely uh, watch out for Burden of Leadership. It is one of those cards that uh, can uh, really do some damage if you're not uh, ready for it. As I mentioned at the top uh, of this episode when uh, Charlie Kane was spoiled over on the Mythos Busters, Stephen uh, got busy building uh, many, many a deck. How many decks did you end up with, uh, Stephen, in the end? God, I started with around 34. With the flexible class restrictions, you can kind of make a combination, and there's really way too many. I kind of boiled it down to about an array i don't have an exact number i keep deleting them <laughs> but uh every time like i find that a lot of uh synergies go well together so i keep combining cards and the uh, deck gets smaller and smaller uh but i've got about eight really solid decks that i'm happy with a few more that are still need tweaking and will probably do keep going keep getting tweaked um throughout spoiler season but yeah. Oh, what's that all on eight? Yeah, so we're going to take a look at uh, a couple of the decks. We're going to take a look at sort of a basic Kluver build and a basic uh, combat build. And I'm going to share the uh, the solo deck that I built for those uh, solo players out there who may be interested in uh, taking Charlie out on his lonesome. Tell me a little bit about this, uh, this Kluver build you uh, put together. You've got a magnifying glass in there. You've got a, a bunch of very solid allies in Jeremiah Kirby, Laboratory Assistant, Miss Doyle, the uh, Mysterious Raven, uh, Summoned Hound. Your events package includes I've Got a Plan, Look What I Found, Burning the Midnight Oil, Lucky, Occult Invocation, and Shortcut. And you round it out with a bunch of skills, Deduction, Eureka, Rise to the Occasion, and uh, Take Heart. Quick disclaimer, I specialize in two-handed play on standard difficulty throughout a, like a campaign mode. So a lot of my decks kind of reflect that. And um, whenever I build one investigator to do something, I like to have them also be able to do the other thing. So for this Kluver build, I need him to fight a little bit as well. Another disclaimer is that with the exception of one deck, I took into sick of it for two summoned hound and a Miss Doyle. So in every single deck, except for one, <laughs> took them because they're that strong so the standard difficulty the average test is about three so you want to be at least three up so my goal is to get charlie from a one to a six and with miss doyle no matter what other ally what other cat she gets uh you can investigate at at least i want to say one two at least a five just with this one card but miss doyle on her own is a plus or, which is a lot. Uh, same with Summon Hound, uh, which allows you to attack or investigate at a base of five, is also a plus four. Yeah, Miss Doyle is, uh, not only does she have a wild skill icon, but she's basically two allies for the price of one. You get Miss Doyle when she hits the table, and then you get a cat. Now, the, the other cat that you get is, is random, but all of those cats have skill icons, of course, that you can use... Right as well as their um, other ability, which can be helpful. Talk to me a little bit about Summoned Hound. How ha what has your experience been with that card? Because I know I looked at it, and I sort of shied away from it largely because of the weakness that comes along with it. Yeah, so originally I was fully terrified. Having a weakness that removes an ally and puts in an enemy 
is extremely detrimental to an investigator that needs allies and only has ones in all their stats. But it is so good that I decided to kind of shape all of my decks around having Summoned Hound. Like, I would say Summoned Hound is probably the strongest um, ally he can get. And honestly, I'm calling it will be, even when uh, Scarlet Keys comes out. We'll see. But like I mentioned, being able to fight or investigate as a free trigger allows so much flexibility. You're able to do either or yeah. be able to contribute to any objective there is in a game. Yeah, and, and that's one of the sort of, I think, when you build two-handed decks is that sometimes uh, if you focus those decks too much, uh, you can end up with one deck that sort of does all of the one thing and the other deck does all of the other. I know when I was playing, for example, like Nathaniel Cho and Harvey Walters together, Harvey does the clues, Nathaniel kills the enemies, and if there are no enemies, Nathaniel just kind of tags along and yeah. doesn't have a lot to do. And I could see that being really boring for a player. You've built this deck, so even if Charlie, like this deck, is focusing on discovering clues, he can help out and kill enemies as well, if necessary. Now, because of uh, his weakness, or the weakness of Summon Hound, this made it really important to um, have ready with an event or a way to deal three damage at any moment. So that's why I chose Occult Invocation and I've Got a Plan. It, you can basically hold them up in your hand and run around with Summoned Hound the entire game. Then as soon as that weakness comes out, you kill it. Let's see what else I got here. A Laboratory Assistant and Mysterious Raven are really cheap allies that boost your intellect. Now, I know we've compared Charlie a lot to Calvin, Preston, you know, those investigators, but after think about it, thinking about it, I realized that it's a lot like Amanda Sharp to me. So in Amanda, a lot of people like to take a card and, you know, you take a card and you put it underneath her and that card gets committed. So having a lot of wild icons would be great, right? If you're going to be taking an intellect test, then it doesn't matter that those icons commit to your agility or your willpower test, right? So I found that having a lot of focus is re really good. That's why I went with both laboratory assistant and mysterious raven here jeremiah kirby this used to be dr milan and thing about dr milan is that or any investigator that exhausts for an effect that if they're if you exhaust them for the boost won't be they won't be untapped uh, for that effect so with dr milan i literally my first play was when i was building my deck with play dr milan to investigate and then i realized exhausted i'm not getting this resource and now i'm poor and can't afford any of my other allies so went with jeremiah just because being able to draw into your other allies is really good uh, he can find your summoned hound and your miss doyle or he can find your resource generation like your occult invocation is yeah that's uh that's a good point that you make uh, when I was looking at uh, Dr. Mylan, it, it, it's sort of like if you play him untabooed in Charlie, he's he's you you get to really see just how overpowered he is without that exhaust, because then you're getting the boost and you get the resource anyway. 
which then mm. lets you play more allies, which then lets Charlie snowball that much faster. If you're playing the tabooed version where you have to exhaust, that brings Dr. Mylan back in line with many, many allies that have to exhaust in order for your, to trigger their effects. And that's one of the decisions you have to make when you're playing Charlie a lot of the time is, am I exhausting this ally to get the skill boost of say two or three, or do I need that effect? In which case I have to leave the ally untapped or pray for an elder sign, which isn't much of a plan really, but yeah. <laughs> I guess it's something occasionally you will get lucky and pull one. I do notice in your deck here that, I mean, you are playing mostly allies for assets and only one uh, asset, the magnifying glass, and that one is dirt cheap and fast. So yeah. you're not setting your game, you're not setting your board state back by playing too many assets that cost, uh, I think I noticed it was really the, the resources and that was the big thing because I wanted those resources for more allies. Right, definitely. It's not wrong to play expensive allies in Charlie or even a couple of expensive um, assets, but you need to adjust the rest of your deck to match that. If you're going to be playing a lot of expensive stuff, then you need to have extremely cheap or um, extremely cheap events focused more on skills that don't cost uh, resources. That way you'll have that money to spend for your allies. Yeah, the the one card that really stood out to me was uh, Dark Horse. I mean, that's that's been a survivor staple since it was released in Undimensioned and Unseen and seems to be very good in Charlie, given his poor stats. And if you can get him down to zero resources, he gets suddenly he's a plus two across the board, which is obviously better than plus one. But the, the problem I ran into wasn't so much the Dark Horse effect. It was just the three resources suddenly were too much to play an asset that costs three resources. And my deck just couldn't handle that because I was essentially giving up an ally and I found the allies so much more useful than the dark horse that eventually i just cut the dark horse i think you might be able to to build a a dark horse charlie kane deck that works but i know in in my testing i just eventually i'm like nope this has got to go i just want more allies i don't really need a lot of assets that uh, that uh, are expensive and i do agree with you the events and skills that you play in charlie uh, really need to be cheap because mm, that, again you're unless you can somehow get a really good resource generation um, resource engine online a lot of your resources in the beginning are going to be playing uh, allies another card i wanted to talk about was uh burning the midnight oil uh one thing i realized since gaprint kit was too expensive most of my investigates were basic actions so i took um burning the midnight oil has been uh, very valuable because I could play like a Jeremiah Kirby and then basic investigate to commit and use Jeremiah Kirby's um, icons to commit for that test and I automatically get the two resources and now have three resources which I could use to play my Miss Doyle or my Summon Hound so it really even if I fail which is great 
And it also gives me the two resources for look what I found. So burning the midnight oil have been really good. That. Yeah, that's a that's a good choice there. That uh, you're piggybacking that resource generation, very cheap resource generation, on other actions that you can then turn the turn around and spend those resources either on a another ally like Miss Doyle or Summoned Hound, or if you get unlucky and suddenly you're staring down at the the nasty Summoned Hound, the enemy version, you're you have some resources available to then plug into I've got a plan or occult invocation to uh to take care of it or even you know a, a lucky or or anything like that that you need to uh to keep your momentum going so you don't uh end up getting set too far back I see you've got a a side deck here talk a little bit about some of the yeah, upgrades yeah. that you were looking at oh as I mentioned I play campaign mode so I tend to build my decks a higher level and then reduce it back to a level zero because I need to you start out you know a level zero deck um so I just wanted to show the level zero deck and then show my choices for when I um upgrade now here the first thing I usually go for is Michael Lee he has um, an intellect a combat and a wild icon as well as a passive plus one to intellect and combat which means that he essentially boosts charlie for a plus two in willpower or a plus four in intellect a plus four in combat and a plus two in um and that those are usually the boosts that we're looking for he also can uh when you successfully investigate place resources and you could use those to deal extra damage that's really good because you're going to be investigating anyway, and then when you finally attack, you know, you'll be able to tribute a lot more because outside of, outside of like, say, a cult invocation, you have a lot of ways to deal massive amounts of damage at once. So this helps you push over, over that edge. Another thing I wanted to mention about his passive, abil his passive boost in intellect or combat is that it combos really well with Summoned Hound. So if you have Summoned Hound and Michael Lee out and you take the fight or investigate with uh, Summoned Hound, it sets you at a base of five and then Michael Lee's passive boosts you to that six, which is that special that spot that we want to get to, as I mentioned, in a standard difficulty. You generally want to be able to get to a six while being able to boost yourself to an eight if you need to. And uh, so you can attack with just Summoned Hound then make another attack with Michael Lee and use Michael Lee to boost that. Mm -hmm. So Michael Lee is really um, important here. Yeah, then... it's interesting that you included him in the deck because uh, as I was going through the allies, I mean, the the level zero allies, as I mentioned before, there's only the two of them, Greta Wagner and Joy the Rat Vigil, who have two skill icons. Once you gain some experience, your uh, your options open up considerably. Uh, Michael Lee being one of the better allies, actually, for Charlie because of his icon spread as well as the two passive bonuses he gives. Other allies that uh, are pretty good for their value there is uh, Greta is also really good. She gives you uh, a huge boost, two passive stats, as well as... Uh, as well as the uh, the nice icon yeah. spread, 
And then another one to look at is uh, Lola Santiago. Now, Lola is already pretty amazing, but uh, I think she gives you a four by herself in intellect. She gives you like a passive intellect, and then she's got two intellect skill icons. So yeah. with one exhaust, uh, Charlie is suddenly at a five by exhausting one card, which is uh, pretty powerful. So next I have Granny, Orn, and Ikiaku. I think that's how you pronounce that. I'm going to go with that. <laughs> they both boost your willpower and your intellect, which is important. Being able to passively boost your willpower for when you need it, as well as he's a, this is a Kluver build, so I went with the um, intellect. Not much to say there. They both boost um, both for three. Mm -hmm. It's been uh, really good there. One of the cards that I, I was interested in talking about was protecting the Anarnique that you uh, included. Yes. It's one of those rare effects besides a chance encounter that plays around with allies. But losing your allies is no good. If you have Bonnie Walsh and God forbid something horrible happens to her, this allows you to bump it right back. But it also allows you to draw three cards if you're allies get discarded by a card effect and we actually have quite a few of those of uh, quite a few of uh, strong synergies here so like with mysterious raven for example you can discard it to discover a clue and that counts as discarding by a card effect so you could then play protecting the anoric draw three cards so now for a free trigger action you discovered a clue and drew three cards it's really good also combos with Miss Doyle and her other cats, the three cats, can discard them to automatically succeed at a relevant test, whichever test um, that they like. And you can discard them and then draw three cards. Uh, if you have Summoned Hound and you want to kill it, uh, for example, you can, because uh, you're scared of drawing a weakness, you know, let it die and draw three new cards. Maybe draw those other non-summoned hounds or even the weakness uh, that because you just got rid of it summoned hound so yeah that's a that's a pretty good uh good call and it is a seeker mystic card so certainly i mean seeker is one of the strongest classes in the game and and I, if you're gonna go kluver with charlie then it makes a lot of sense to to make seeker one of the classes and having access to a a card that will draw you a bunch of cards if an ally leaves play and if you're mm. playing charlie that's just a matter of time that's a, a pretty nice uh nice choice i wanted to talk a little bit about in the thick of it i know both of us included that in our decks to to give charlie a bit of a, a boost to be able to pick up cards like miss doyle and summon hound right off the bat do you think it's going to be an absolute requirement in Charlie, or do you think you can get away without it? Um, I'm a firm believer that you don't uh, need the entire need it that you don't need it. It's like why not? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel like um, it's free experience in him, and you get access immediately to what I feel like are the best allies for him. Now, with that being said, I was challenged to build a deck with a limited card pool, and was all right. As you mentioned, um, most of the level zero allies are don't have a good 
while um, icon spread. So having access to the higher level allies, that's when your deck starts to get really good. Yeah, that's that's what I noticed as well. Like I had, uh, I built several iterations of Charlie Kane when I was playing him, and initially I had tried to avoid including in the thick of it and just focus on, you know, seeing what I could do with the level zero card pool. And after uh, several quick defeats and uh, and a little frustration, I broke down and included in the thick of it and. As soon as I did, it was like a light switch had gone on, and uh, Charlie suddenly began to to function as intended. So it'll be interesting to see with the release of the Scarlet Keys, depending on which allies we get in that set, whether in the thick of it remains as important as it seems right now. Tell me a little bit about uh, the... Uh, combat version of charlie kane that you built you have a couple copies of sledgehammer this is a a guardian survivor build so two copies of sledgehammer you've got a beat cop in there guard dog laboratory assistant miss doyle stray cat summoned hound for the allies <laughs> the events we've got uh, look what i found emergency cash live and learn and toe to toe and for skills, there's Guts, Inspiring Presence, Take Heart, Take the Initiative, and Vicious Blow. Wouldn't say there are really a whole lot of surprises in the uh, the event or skill package. Uh, how does uh, this deck perform? Um, extremely well. Uh, originally, or at least my earlier iterations, I hated it. <laughs> but I... No, revamped it, and I found that I uh, really, really enjoy this deck. So, uh, first off, it kind of plays similarly to the Kluver build, just because I'm so focused on Miss Doyle and Summoned Hound, that it plays uh, to that same strategy where I want to get them out, and now I'll be able to either fight or investigate. I feel like in that part, it d kind of does the same thing. W with access to Sledgehammer and Toe-to-Toe, -to -toe, are able to deal with Summon Hound's um, weakness a lot better because with Sledgehammer, you can take the two actions to deal three damage. Or with Toe-to-Toe, -to -toe, you can, uh, and Guard Dog, you're able to deal a Tesselus three damage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that so, the Guard Dog Toe-to-Toe -to -toe combo is very nice. I've played that in Daniela quite a bit, and it's, <laughs> it's very, very good. The fighter build, Guardians are known for being very resource-intensive needing expensive weapons and expensive allies to be able to do their thing, I had to really manage the rest of my deck to work around this. And I think I did a very good job. That's one of the reasons why Stray Cat is in here is because it's just an extra cheap ally I can use for a free evade on an enemy I don't feel like dealing with if I'm not ready for, or if it's one that I should just avoid overall, like say the conglomeration of spears. Like let's not waste our time with that. Originally, Lucky was in here, but I found that Live and Learn synergizes a lot better with the fight action on Sledgehammer. Now, not I was never worried about the minus one, because I can exhaust so many of my allies to boost myself really high. But with the two action one, where you get plus two combat and plus two damage, if you fail that, 
you only have three actions. So you're kind of SOL. And usually in that scenario where you're using that, you have, say, the summon hound weakness on you. Uh, so being able to live and learn that test is really good. Yeah, I, I really like that uh, that bit of tech. That's pretty, uh, that's very clever. Guts, I didn't include on the last, my last deck because I would upgrade it to Granny Orn and Ikiaku. But when you have a lot of allies out, you'll be able to boost yourself in little increments. But sometimes you need that extra push. So I like to have flexible skills in my deck. Guts, Inspiring Presence, and Take the Initiative all are able to commit to a willpower test. So I like to include ways to deal with that. Inspiring Presence I included because it synergizes with Guard Dog and it synergizes with Summon Hound. You'll have turns where you can attack using Summon Hound, commit Inspiring Presence, succeed, unexhaust Summon Hound, use Summon Hound again, commit Bonnie Wash to tap Summon Hound, and now you've taken three Fight or Investigates for free. It's very strong. I included uh, the old combo take the heart and look what i found take heart off cards and gains resources it's everything you need and with ones and all your stats you'll be able to trigger it trigger it reliably then look what i found just because I like being able to include even in my fighter builds and uh you've got some upgrades here as well you've got brand of kathuga ever vigilant that seems pretty obvious for for most guardians greta wagner again Amazing icons and uh, passive skill boosts. Jessica Hyde, another very solid, uh, solid ally. Michael Lee makes another appearance and uh, righteous yep. hunt. So Branda Kasuga. Whenever I build decks, I like to have multiple ways to do uh, that one thing. And with Sledgehammer being very prevalent in my hand slot, I really focused in on Sledgehammer. I wanted to have another way. Of being able to fight in case I don't draw Sledgehammer. And I didn't want to have too many events. I, I wanted to have a lot of assets that stick around. And Brand of Kasuga is really cheap. It does not take up a hand slot. It takes up an arcane slot, which is great. And it could, it gives them a little boost and deals up to uh, two damage. So it's been a really strong inclusion in my decks. One thing to note is that it does take up an arcane slot and so does summon hound, so you need to be wary that you only have two. Jessica Hyde makes you extremely tanky and with just herself she gives you a plus three combat as well as helping out in the combat with your other tests like your summon hound test. Righteous Hunt is one that I wanted to talk about for a second. So like I mentioned when I play, I play two-handed and this build is my fighter. I like to play cards that allow my clovers to let my clovers off the leash, to let them run around, so to speak. So I can stand in one spot and play my expensive allies and take the time that I need. That if my clover that's two, three locations away, if they draw an enemy, I can just run over there like real quick and then and uh, be able to deal with that enemy. And if they don't, then I can just continue holding it in my hand for when they do. Continue mm -hmm. to work on all of my stuff. So I really like Righteous Hunt. I do really uh, like the inclusion of Brand of Cthulhu in this deck, primarily because it does use the Arcane slot. So you've you've got the Sledgehammer as your main weapon, and then you've got the Brand as your secondary weapon. And it only costs two resources, which is a, mm -hmm. is a real steal when you're trying to play assets on the cheap and save as many as much money as you can to play your allies having a, a two cost 
uh, weapon that you can drop down and not uh, end up with slot conflicts is uh, is pretty nice indeed. Mm. You you mentioned that you had built uh, many many a deck and sort of have whittled it down to eight. What are some of the other decks that you have uh, played around with? I know you showed me uh, a Charlie Kane synergy version uh, when yes. we uh, first started talking. Uh, I'm sure you tried a sled dogs build. That seems like something that you would come up with yeah so the synergy deck i just realized that you're already playing a lot of with all the allies you're playing a lot of different classes anyway even if charlie is neutral and you can choose to have the guardian and a rogue so being able to have access to gang up and um, um the rogue synergy card whose name eludes me as I mentioned, three is the sweet spot. So with Gang Up, if you have, you can easily have three different um, different classes on the on your uh, play area. So being able to deal three damage with Gang Up is really good. And then with um, Synergy card, you can baseline. The worst you can do is gain three resources as a fast action, and at best, obviously, it gains you five, and that's really good for one uh xp and zero resources mm-hmm. like that's i think um got hot streak level two gives you five resources but you have to have five so it's like on that level other one i've done is of course the max allies you know i had to do it with you get two charismas rod of animalism and then you take four sled dogs with uh miss doyle i believe you can have up to 11 allies out at the same time um (laughs) yeah what upsets me is that the deck did very well now i don't think sled dogs is good in charlie but the deck actually kind of killed it i took it through um the circle undone and just destroyed everything so it goes to show that um a lot of allies out is the goal another thing is that uh you can actually have up to 16 allies with two charismas a rod of animalism and then if you're playing in four player and all three of your uh, friends are all playing four sled dogs and then you can all teamwork them onto charlie kane you can have 16 (laughs) sled dogs at once (laughs) if possible All right. Would I recommend it? No, but I mean, <laughs> live your best life. Right. What right. I like to say. Well, the, the I think the the encouraging thing from from all of your your deck building is that uh, it sounds like, you know, besides your classic Kluver and combat oriented Charlie, it sounds like there are a lot of different deck builds out there. There's synergy. There's sled dogs mm-hmm. there's there's a whole bunch of different charlie kane decks that are not only out there but are probably viable and we haven't even seen the cards from the scarlet keys which will probably right. open up even more uh charlie kane decks for 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 players to play around with so if you're looking for an investigator who has a lot of options between all of the allies that Charlie has access to and then getting to pick the two classes of your choice, I think uh, you could spend a lot of time noodling with Charlie and uh, and never get bored. Yeah. I wanted to share a uh, solo deck that I uh, built with Charlie Kane. 
as uh, many of you know I play predominantly solo now the uh, building a, a solo Charlie Kane deck is a little bit different than going two-handed of course because Charlie has to do everything by himself which actually puts him in a bit of a tough spot in solo because his stats are so low and you sort of need to be able to fight and or I guess have enemy management and an ability to dis discover clues and there aren't at, at level zero anyway there aren't allies that have both of those icons so you're sort of having to pick one or the other and then try to get the other one on the table uh, after that I uh, like I mentioned earlier my first couple iterations of, of Charlie were way the cost curve was way out of whack I had way too many expensive allies I ended up dying very early in uh, scenarios one of the uh, particular issues I found with Charlie was enemy management was a real um, sticking point and I was trying to put my finger on what the reason for that was and I think in solo it's the fact that while allies are sort of central to Charlie Kane's deck allies don't deal additional damage mm -hmm. and so you can end up in a situation where you draw an enemy you have a couple allies on the table or maybe even only one ally you know with really good combat skill icons of course you can always exhaust the other one to get a combat skill icon as well but you're sort of get you can get stuck in this position where it's just like okay I, I fight it once and I deal a damage and then you have no follow-up <laughs> it's kind yeah. of like I attack once I hit it okay now what and then you end up in a position where you can't fight back and it, and it gets even worse if you like I was just playing uh, extracurricular activity and you draw one of those those thralls that only has two health but it has retaliate and all yeah. of a sudden Charlie's flailing away at this thing and he has one good punch in him but he really needs that extra damage and that's not something allies can do for you you really need weapons for that and so I draw this thrall I would get the one hit then I'd sort we sort of stare at each other for a turn because I didn't want to take another swing at it because I was worried I was so worried about retaliate and I didn't have the icons so I uh, went a different way with my uh, with my deck. Uh, I took a look at uh, Summoned Hound, and uh, unfortunately, I was a little too frightened by its uh, the devil of uh, the Summoned Hound. So I ended up going with Cat Burglar, and Cat Burglar to me works really well in this deck because it's it's a one card solution to enemies that doesn't require a skill test. If you can get Cat Burglar down you've basically got enemy management handled at the beginning of the game you can draw an enemy exhaust the cat burglar move away unless it's got hunter you're relatively safe and that gives you the time you need to set up some of the other allies i've included uh, two copies of art student have been absolutely fantastic in this deck there are so many combinations you can pull with between the art student a chance encounter and calling in favors that you can bounce the art student in and out of play to discover clues and feel really smart as you do it 
It's costs two, which is just the right amount, I think, for calling in favors because you can bounce it back to your hand. Get a pretty good discount on one of your al other allies or even get it for free and then play the art student again to, to discover another clue. Of course, I went with Miss Doyle because you just can't turn your nose up at an ally that not only has a wild skill icon, but brings other allies to the party. That's just gravy. Mysterious Raven, again, an easy way to get clues. One of my uh, favorite plays when I was uh, going through the Dunwich Legacy was uh, bouncing an art student back to my uh, back into play with a chance encounter, grabbing a clue, then discarding the Mysterious Raven, putting the horror on art student to discover another clue and ending the scenario. Peter Sylvester, good. Stray Cat, again, just an emergency in case I need to get away from something. A chance encounter, calling in favors, both work with allies. Elusive if I need to get away from something. Faustian bargain for resources. And uh, trial by fire, just one copy in case I need to set my, my skills to, uh, or my base skill values to a certain level. And then the skills just generally good stuff. Watch this for resources. Resourceful. I mean, resourceful is always good, but the ability to to grab a chance encounter if you need it, a, uh, a raven if you need it, any of that stuff is great. Rise to the occasion, take heart in unexpected courage. And of course, I the only other assets I have are two copies of Fire Axe and two copies of Old Key Ring, just in case I need to kill an enemy, the fire axe gives me huge bonuses, and then key ring is just good for for grabbing those clues that I can't get with the art student or uh, mysterious raven. This deck has done pretty well uh, through the Dunwich Legacy. It even beat uh, Miskatonic Museum, which really surprised me. I think the nice thing about Dunwich Legacy, anyway, for Charlie, is because it has so many allies in it. Uh, allies that you can pick up throughout the uh, the campaign. Those all work with Charlie. Even those allies in Miskatonic Museum that you sort of forget about, uh, there's the security guard and the museum curator. Those are both allies. So if they're on the table, Charlie can exhaust them to get skill boosts with them, which is something no other investigator can do, which is kind of cute. And, and when I realized that, I was kind of shocked and pleasantly surprised because suddenly I had an extra skill boost that I wasn't uh, counting on. But this deck has done really well. I did try to build it without in the thick of it and it, I just couldn't get it to, to quite click. And when I added Cat Burglar, that really uh, brought, it, uh, brought it forward. I have built a couple of different iterations of this one. I do have a Summoned Hound version uh, that uses Summoned Hound instead of Cat Burglar. I haven't had a chance to test it yet. I've also built an Underworld Support Charlie Kane deck that uh, goes uh, one copy of Cat Burglar, one copy of Summoned Hound, uh, and then sort of trims out all the duplicates and adds in some other cards. I don't know if that will work very well. I think Charlie could use a lot. I don't know if there's enough redundancy there to make it work, but... Again, it's another option, and Charlie uh, certainly seems to have uh, no shortage of deck options, even without the set that he is appearing in, uh, yet released. 
I really enjoy the Cat Burglar edition, and when I do my Forgotten Age run, instead of Summon Hound, I will be taking Cat Burglar. I think it's very strong. Commits to both willpower and agility, so... Yes, it has a willpower skill icon as well. I guess that's something we should talk about, is uh, how do you deal with Charlie's miserable willpower? Do you just sort of accept it? Because I find, um, at least in solo anyway, you're sort of like, you're trying to bulk up your intellect and, and enemy management skills. And I found that willpower, I just sort of had to, it's nice if I can get it, but it has to take the back seat to the others. And so I ended up sort of just playing him like a, a low willpower rogue and taking a lot of stuff on the chin and hoping my allies could absorb all the, the punishment. Normally, I actually haven't had too much issue with them. I mean, sometimes, of course, you know, you don't have the right allies out, so you have to take one on the chin, so to speak. But with the way I built my deck, a lot of card draw, you can hold on a lot of cards uh, that you have specifically for these willpower tests. So um, I took Rise, Rise to the Occasion, for example, uh, boost you up to a four um, against these willpower treacheries, and then all of my allies. If I take a willpower test, I can exhaust all of my allies during the willpower test. Then during my actual turn, it sucks not having my allies, but I can use my survivor access to still be able to continue forth the game. I have Look What I Found be able to um, get clues, for example. So I'll still be able to I have like I kind of have no fear exhaust all I need. Yeah, I think if I was to to retool this deck for for multiplayer, uh, you handle this one would uh, would definitely make an appearance yeah. in the deck. It seems like a pretty good call, and and Charlie just to farm out those treacheries that uh, you don't want to handle yourself because you may not have an ally that uh, that supports it. Yeah, um, I will note in my Kluver build, I did put Forewarned a side deck. Then um, in my Rogue deck that I don't have um, listed that we didn't talk about, I did put a Counter Espionage in my mm. side, deck, side deck for that. So I do like to include ways to just straight out cancel your, like, your really bad stuff that you're not completely prepared for. Yeah, and I know in uh, in this particular deck, I think I was taking a pretty serious look at uh, a test of will before uh, for just to counter. I think when I was going to blood and blood on the altar, I wanted to deal with kidnapped because <laughs> that yeah. would be uh, that would be catastrophic if Bonnie Walsh got kidnapped and uh, and then sacrificed. I think uh, at that point I might just uh, scrap the campaign <laughs> and, and try again because that would be a, a critical failure there. Yeah, it'll be a sad day. So uh, yeah, if you're interested in these decks, uh, we'll post links to them in uh, the description down below. Uh, give them a try with your friends or in uh, in solo, see how they fare. So to uh, to wrap things up here, uh, just wanted to talk a little bit about what we expect to see in uh, in the Scarlet Keys specifically for Charlie. What are some of the cards that uh, that you would like to see, uh, Stephen? 
So, you know, a lot of allies, obviously. But I want cheap allies with redundant effect. You know, I love Laboratory Assistant. It comes into play, draws you a couple of cards. Uh, art Assistant, Art Assist, um, Art Student, sorry, <laughs> uh, comes into play, gets you a clue. So I want to see, like, cheaper versions of allies that are out that exist have this redundant effect. So, like, if Jeremiah Kirby is big, um, is big laboratory assistant, I want to see a small Dr. Milan, for example. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I would like to see some cheap allies. I'd even be happy to see, like, a cheap ally, uh, level zero ally that just has two skill icons, to be honest. Like, something maybe two cost has a combat and a intellect skill icon that you can just get on the table early you've got yeah. something to fight or discover clues if necessary and then if you want you can either it will die once you once you've sort of got a little bit of momentum going or you could pop it back to your hand with calling in favors to bring out a bigger ally once you're sort of stabilized something like that would be uh, really good i'd like to see some thematic allies for one. Oh yeah we have plenty of allies in the game already but uh, unfortunately uh, when i sat down to build charlie i wasn't quite expecting him to be the cat and dog man but uh, that just seems to be the way it uh, it turned out uh, he really likes his animals for uh, for some reason which seems a little off base for a politician so i am hoping to see you know, political operatives and and who knows, businessmen, stuff like that. Yeah. that you can you can sort of build a little bit more of a of a thematic uh, Charlie Kane deck because right now it is a is a it is a bit odd that his best allies are summoned hound and Miss Doyle. And once you gain a few experience points, of course, you can pick up Black Cat, which is. Mm -hmm is great for charlie because it has two wild skill icons i think it's the only other uh ally besides bonnie walsh that has two wild skill icons so it does cost a, a boatload of xp but uh having basically you know three skill shots in in one card is uh, often too good to pass up i'd also like to see some cards a little bit more uh, a few more cards that let you play around with allies. I know we've seen, you know, we've got a chance encounter, which is in survivor. We've got calling in favor, which is neutral. There's inspiring presence that is in uh, guardian, but we don't really have a lot of cards and I don't know how far they could push that theme without ending up breaking. But I think there's some room there to to play around with and sort of flesh out some some neat cards that let you manipulate allies in in interesting ways one of the final things i'd like to see is just um i'm hoping that when scarlet keys is released that there is enough support in the set to build charlie to really take advantage i guess of that flexible deck building that he has and be able to pick the two classes that you want because right now it feels like survivor is head or, head and shoulders above the rest and then it just depends whether you want to fight or discover clues in which case you pick guardian or uh, seeker or if you want some other utility in 
in Rogue. I'm not too sure if there'll be enough Mystic stuff, but I just hope he doesn't become sort of a one-trick pony and that the uh, the community, like he's released, and then within a matter of weeks, the community has sort of just boiled him down to the the one Charlie deck that everybody will play because I think his deck building is so flexible and from your experience, certainly there have been a lot of different decks that you've been able to build that it would be a bit of a shame that say the week after the Scarlet Keys hits the, hits the ground that there's a deck posted in Arkham DB, which is the ultimate Charlie Kane deck that is the one and only Charlie Kane deck going forward. That would be a bit of a shame. So I hope they flesh out the, you know, there's enough support for all the classes that uh, you can really leverage whatever class you want. Or you can always count on me to be out there building the totally off Charlie decks. If no one else will, I'll do it. Well, when I when I search Charlie Kane decks on Arkham DB, I expect to see your name underneath uh, ninety percent of them, and then maybe one or two, uh, <laughs> one or two others. Is there anything uh, you'd like to add, Stephen? Man, this is uh, this has been quite the the conversation. Um, yeah, just one more thing that I totally forgot to mention years ago. So, a chance encounter level two. Let's talk about that for just a quick second. Sorry, I should have talked about this. Anyway, um, Summoned Hound, as an additional cost to play Summoned Hound, you search your bonded cards for one copy of the Unbound Beast and shuffle it into your deck. Uh, a chance encounter level 2 puts it into play. You're not, play. you're not playing it, you're putting it into play, which means you don't get that weakness. If you just commit Summoned Hound to an intellect test or a fight test, and then play Summon uh, Chance Encounter, you get Summoned Hound without the weakness. Yeah, that is a that is the trick with Summoned Hound. If you do have level two chance encounter, pitch the uh, Summon Hound into your discard pile, bring it back with a chance encounter level two, and you're good to go. And you never have to worry about the uh, the Summon Hound's weakness, which is uh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Considering the power of Summoned Hound in Charlie right now, uh, that is a uh, very nice indeed. I don't have much to, any more to say. I think we uh, covered. Uh, most of the bases, you know, we could go on for hours and hours talking about all the co- all the things you can do. Then, but overall, I think he's very fun, and I can't wait for Scarlet Keys to give me thirty more decks to build. <laughs> yeah, I think that's uh, if you walk away from this episode with one thing, I think that it is that uh, Charlie is an awful lot of fun to play. Don't let his dreadful stat line uh get in the way the uh there are a lot of different decks that you can build with charlie he's viable in multiplayer right now even without scarlet keys he's viable in solo without scarlet keys and so he is only going to get better once the set uh, drops hopefully sooner than later it's hard to tell these days uh, (laughs) with uh, fantasy flight but yeah, he's. I found that you know he can be a little challenging to play in the first couple turns when you're just sort of getting the spinning up and you're you're getting your first couple allies down. But uh, once you get a few allies down and he starts to snowball, he can be very hard to stop, largely because you have enough allies to commit to or to to exhaust to boost your skills and enough allies to soak 
all the damage and horror that you're taking, so you're not going to go down that way. I love cards like Calling in Favors and a Chance Encounter and stuff like that because they allow you to be really smart and do lots of tricksy things, and and I love that that aspect of the game, and I hope we do see more cards in in uh, the Scarlet Keys that uh, that let us do that. Well, thank you very much, Stephen, for joining me. I, I'm... I'm uh, Glad to have you on. You have a a, a lot of insight into uh, deck building. Problem. Thanks for having me. That's going to do it for this episode. If you enjoyed what you hear, remember to like, comment, and subscribe. If you need to contact me, I can be reached at manfromlang at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at manfromlang. Until the stars are right, keep your shotgun close and your elder sign closer. Take care out there, and happy investigating.